You can cry on command. And that is why I decided to create this. Welcome to Free Talk, the show to help you learn English the fun and simple way. Ready? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Talk Podcast, the show where we have one objective to take your English to the next level, the fun and simpler way. Well, first of all, let's talk about last episode, shall we? On the last episode, well, it was a bit of a disappointment, one could say. I was still pretty sick. My voice was low and achy. And on top of that, after I finished recording the episode, I went to bed and my brother, who is the one in charge of editing the podcast, woke me up and said, you didn't plug the microphone. The entire episode was recorded through the computer's built-in mic. And that is not good, I know. The sound quality was horrible, the volume was really low, and all that. So, what I'm trying to say here is, I'm sorry. We want to give you top-notch quality. Top notch t-o-p-n-o-t-c-h top notch means super high quality but that was an honest human mistake now secondly we are also trying to improve the general quality of this show I have a Uh, maybe semi-professional microphone, but that is a double-edged sword. That means, double-edged sword, that something could be at the same time good or bad. You see, it's a, a sword, S-W-O-R-D, like the weapon that He-Man used like a big knife. But the sharp edge, the part we use to cut, in this case, is in both sides. So it will cut you no matter which side you use. That is the meaning of this expression, a double-edged sword, because that means something could at the same time be positive or negative. So, well, back to the story. Having a good microphone is, in this case, not so good. Now, why? Because I have a good microphone, but I don't have a recording studio. I don't have soundproof walls, so the mic picks up a lot of sound. It's very sensitive. And when we go into the edition, we need to cover up all that noise and, as a result, 
the volume goes down and it's chaos. But we are working to give you better sound quality and, of course, better content. So, anyway, let's move on to today's topic. On the episode number 17, Misery is Wasted on the Miserable, I told you about one of the things that I enjoy the most about life, and that is being in love. It is not something that I consider a life goal. I mean, it's not my objective to fall in love with anyone. I am not a love addict. But when it does happen, I enjoy it a lot, and it gets me in a much more positive vibe. I feel good being in love. Now, that is on the bright side, right? The positive good things. But today, I will talk to you about the other end of the spectrum, the other side of the coin. One of the things that I fear the most the things that scare the hell out of me. And as usual, there was something that introduced this idea into my head. Or, better put, something that reactivated this old idea of mine. You see, a couple of weeks ago, I, I started watching this series on Netflix. Uh, it's the name of that series is Making a Murderer. It's a documentary series that follows the story and subsequent trial of Steve Avery, a man from Manitowoc County in Wisconsin in the United States. And this man is convicted to life in prison for murder. M-U-R-D-E-R, murder. That is when you kill someone with premeditation. So you prepare um, the murder of a person. You kill a person. And um, the series, this show, consists of 10 episodes going uh, from a, a previous sentence that Steve was serving for a crime he did not commit. So he was not responsible for this crime, but he was doing time in prison. And after that, he is uh, exonerated. So they say, okay, we made a mistake. You are not guilty. You are innocent. So you can live. And then there is another investigation for a second crime that he was accused of in the year 2005. Now, as a show, making a murderer is a nail-biter. Nail-biter, N-A-I-L hyphen V-I-T-E-R. Nail-biter means that causes you to bite your nails you know like you're biting your nails and that means it's so 
exciting or thrilling, it gets you nervous or anxious because there are so many shifts, so many changes in the story and we don't know how it's going to end. Now, I will not tell you, of course, how this documentary finishes. I will not give you any spoilers, but I will really recommend you to watch the show if you are into that kind of stories. But instead, I will tell you the relation between this show and one of my biggest fears. And I will just come right out and say it. I am absolutely afraid of ever going to prison. I don't know much about prison other than what I have seen in TV shows and movies and all that. But from what I can see, it seems like a horrible picture to me. Because not only are you getting deprived of your freedom, but you are forced to live in constant danger, in reduced spaces, with a diminished quality of life. So it must be horrible. Now, it may seem that going to prison is not really about luck or chance. All you have to do is stay clean, away from crime, not killing, robbing, raping, assaulting. In conclusion, live your life within the boundaries of law and by doing so, you will not go to prison. I, for one, can assure you that I have no intentions whatsoever of committing any sort of crime. And not only because I have a, a, a moral compass that prevents me from doing so, or because I am such a stickler of the law. Stickler, S-T-I-C-K-L-E-R, Stickler is when you insist a lot on something or when you observe very carefully a rule. Uh -huh. So a stickler of the law is a person who follows every single uh, rule, every single piece of law. So, no, that is not. The reason for my non-criminal tendency is exactly my fear for prison. But even if I conduct myself in the right direction, distance from crime, paying my taxes, respecting the law, that does not guarantee my liberty. No. And that is really the scariest part it's completely out of your control. Just think about it for a second. Imagine that one day you go walking down the street and a car stops right next to you. And then the people inside pull you in. They get you in the car. They take you somewhere 
isolated from everybody. They beat you up. That is, they hit you. They threaten you. They threaten you. That is, they say that they will do horrible things to you or your family. They play with your mind and then they take a confession out of you and all of a sudden you are a confessed criminal. Now, let's suppose that they fail to get a confession from you. You resist. You know that you have the right to have a lawyer. You decide not to say a word, knowing that everything you say can and will be used against you. But still, they can plant evidence, take your DNA, place you in a crime scene or things like that. And there is a major problem with that. I mean, with being blamed, B-L-A-M-E-D, blamed by the same people who are supposed to protect you. Only that in this case, they are doing everything but protect you. And by saying this, I, I do not mean that police are on the lookout for innocent people to send to jail. No. But there is more than one instance where this could happen. They need a guilty person to calm down people, you know, like there is a serial, uh, sorry, there is a serial killer loose on the street. People are getting anxious. They demand a solution from the police. So they find a normal guy with nothing to lose. They say, here's your killer. Shut up. We're doing our job. And that's it. Problem solved. Of course, they don't have anything against you. They don't know you. They don't hate you. You just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You happened to have a face that resembles, that is similar to the criminal's face, anything. And now you're done. Imagine that. One day you are a free, good man. Next thing you know, you are going to jail and probably for the rest of your life. This is what's called being framed. F-R-A-M-E-D. Framed. When someone sets you up, they arrange things so that people believe you did something, a crime, that in reality you did not. They discharge the blame on you. You were framed, and now you are guilty. Game over. Now, it's not always so uh, definitive, right? Because in order to prove your innocence, you will have a trial. That is T-R-I-A-L, trial, where you will make the case for your innocence. Your lawyer will produce the evidence 
that supports your case, the reasons why you are innocent, witnesses, exhibits, your alibi, and so on. But the other party, usually the state, will try to prove otherwise. They will try to prove that you are guilty. And the person in charge of doing that is the prosecutor. Prosecutor. Now, now this is a battle. Good versus evil. Innocence versus guilt. You versus the adversity. The logical assumption should be, well, I'm innocent. So, because justice works, I should have no problem, right? I can't go to prison if I didn't do anything wrong, right? That's what justice does, am I right? But there is so much more to that. If, during the trial, there is a person who claims, who affirms, who swears, because, remember, during a trial, people have to raise their hand and swear they will say nothing but the truth. Now, this person swears that he or she saw me at such place, at such time, and this statement makes me guilty. But another person says that he or she saw me at a different place at the same time, and this proves that I am innocent. Now, what? Who is to be believed? Who is telling the truth? How do we know that? This is where things get absolutely creepy. So this, this is how a basic uh, trial works, at least to my understanding. If you are a lawyer or you know more about this, please feel free to correct me. But this is what I know. So both the defense and the prosecution make their own cases. They present evidence. They expose their theories. And during all that time, apart from both Paris and the judge, there is a jury. That's G U that's J U R Y jury. And that is a group of people whom, based on the evidence presented and the arguments made by the defense and the prosecution, will ultimately decide if you are innocent or not. So look at that. Some people will decide if you are innocent or not, if they send you to jail or if they set you free. It's like in those movies where there's, for example, a dog and two persons are fighting the right to keep the dog. And because it's impossible to decide, they say, okay, both of you will stand in opposite sides and you will call the dog. Whoever the dog goes to gets to keep the dog. So if I say, come on, come on, dog, and the dog comes to me, now the dog is mine. Now, you, you wouldn't call that justice, 
right? The dog is not really making a choice. He's acting on impulse. And yet, to me, that's how juries work. A bunch of people are summoned. That is, they are called to be part of the jury. They sit down and listen during the trial, while two persons are trying to convince them. When the trial is over, they get together and they deliberate. Then they present a verdict, and because it's their opinion, you are now either free or locked up in jail. And if you are innocent, but were convicted as guilty, there is little room for what you can do. You can appeal, you can ask for a second trial, but it's actually very unlikely, not probable. And to me, that is a horrible way of making justice, just horrible. It's basically the same kind of justice that got a lot of so-called witches killed by fire in Salem. The same kind of justice that got a lot of people decapitated, burned or hung for so-called crimes that we now consider not at all crimes, like blaspheming or not making your majesty laugh. Of course, that is perhaps a very radical comparison. In those cases, there was absolutely no chances for a defendant to make its case. There was no option to prove your innocence. But still, in the end, a group of people who had been empowered made a decision and someone's life changed. And that is crazy. And I really, really don't want to make a controversy out of this. I know it's a sensible topic. Maybe you think that the criminal system works fine. And although I don't believe so, I don't have any alternative, of course. I have no idea how we could make this more efficient or more just. No. But that was not the point of this episode. The point of this episode was only to tell you why I am so afraid of prison. How I am afraid of that one day I can be framed, go to jail, lose my freedom, and the worst part of all, knowing that not only am I innocent, but that there is nothing I can do to convince the rest of the world of that. Jesus. Okay, let's take a break to talk about something less troublesome than this. And let's have a quick word on pronunciation. On the word on pronunciation of this episode, we are going to talk about something that is very short and very direct. And we will talk about acronyms. Do you know what an acronym is? An acronym, that is A-C-R-O-N-Y-M, acronym, is an abbreviation used 
as a word and formed from the initial components in a phrase or a word, usually individual letters, as in USA, that is an acronym, and sometimes syllables, as in Gestapo, that is Geheime Staatspolizei, which is secret state police. So they are using his, sorry, he from Geheime, sta from stats, and po from polizei, Gestapo. Acronyms are, as we said, abbreviations, short versions of longer things. If we were to use United States of America five times in a statement, that will be very tiring having to repeat United States of America five times. So we use acronyms mm -hmm, to, to make these uh, things shorter. But sometimes we don't know the meaning of an acronym. And when such is the case, we use the expression STAND FOR, STAND FOR, S-T-A-N-D-F-O-R, STAND FOR. For example, imagine this sentence, NAVISCO is an acronym, what does it stand for? What does it stand for? And that is, what is the meaning? Oh, Navisco stands for National Biscuit Company. Oh, okay. So that is uh, about using stand for to talk about the meaning of an acronym. Now, when we use acronyms, how do we pronounce them? Well, today we are going to talk about the pronunciation of those acronyms in which we say each word individually. They don't have the sound of a word, right? So compare these two. Navisco is an acronym, but it's possible to articulate it. I can say Navisco. There is a sound that we can form with this, with this acronym, NAVISCO, right? But FBI, FBI, can I say those three letters as a word? Try it. No. It will be FB, 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 or something like that. So that's ridiculous. So in those cases, we pronounce each letter, letter individually, and that is F-B-I, right? Each letter individually. And the emphasis, the high intonation goes in the last letter of the acronym. Case in point, F-B-I. FBI. Okay? Great. So, to finish this section, I will give you a list of examples so you can listen how the intonation 
goes into the last letter. We have IBM, 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 MIT, 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 PhD, PhD, MBA, 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 LA, 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 IQ, 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 RSVP, 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 TV, TV, USA, 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 ASAP, 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 CIA, 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 FBI, 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 USMC, 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 COD, 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 and SOS, 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 okay? IBM, MIT, PhD, MBA, LA, IQ, RSVP, TV, USA, ASAP, CIA, FBI, USMC, COD, SOS. Perfect. Now, just to finish this episode, I will give you a challenge. If you know what do these acronyms stand for, let me know in the comment section for this episode in our website www.freetalkingless.com slash podcast. I will give you one. FBI stands for Federal Bureau of Investigation. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I would love to read your comments, opinions, suggestions, answers about the acronyms and everything you have to say. You will find the transcription to this episode on the blog post for this episode on our website, the complete transcription, so you can listen to it and read and look up all those words that you didn't know and make this entire episode much more comprehensible. I will see you next Wednesday for a new episode of Free Talk Podcast. Have an awesome week and keep it simple. I was walking down the street, minding my own affair. Two policemen grabbed me unaware. He says, your name Henry, and I says, why, show. He says, you're the boy I've been looking for.